Well, I want you to uh, grab your Bible, uh, and we're going to be looking at, I'll give you uh, the passages if you want to kind of get there and, and kind of plug your finger, and we'll get to them. Nehemiah chapter 13, we're going to look at. Oh, let me step back. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, that's been kind of the passage we've been grounded in during this uh, three-week series. So we'll read a little bit of that. Nehemiah chapter 13, we'll get to. Um, Luke chapter 4, Acts 17. And Matthew 12. So we're going to jump around a little bit there, but you'll see how these kind of work together for us today. Uh, this week in the gym, I started a squat cycle. Maybe you're one that's done this in your past years where you get on a little cycle to squat and you've got a program. You have to squat so many things one day and then usually a day of rest and then so many things the next day. And uh, this one was pretty rough, probably too ambitious for my 48-year-old body, but um, my pride stepped in. I squat along a couple younger guys, and so I thought, you know, we'll just try it. Um, it was 34,000 combined pounds over the course of the week. Not in one rep, all right? That'd be a record. So, but uh, spread out over the week. Uh, so Monday I squatted. Tuesday I woke up, and I was like, man, I feel terrible. You know, like walking around the house like this. <laughs> if you had said, hey, let's go work out or let's go do something, you know, I would have wanted to punch you. Like, I, I felt terrible. Wednesday, I had to squat again. and had to fight through that soreness, you know, to, to do it again. But I had the one-day rest, and it was a little better. Thursday, not quite as bad. But it's still, it's not like I wanted to go run around a soccer field or something on Thursday. Friday, when I woke up, worst I felt the whole time. And yet, the hardest of the four days was in front of me on Friday. And I think that that's one of those days, if I didn't have kind of a coach alongside of me saying, well, let's just do one set and we'll see how it feels. Now, in their head, they knew the whole time what they were going to say is, let's just do one more set and see how it feels until I was done. They weren't going to let me off the hook. They were just trying to you know, play that psychology on me. Then Thursday, or Saturday, I had to squat again. The only back-to-back -back days in the cycle. And I'm trying to get my head around Friday night. How in the world would I show back up and even begin like to stretch out, much less do a full squat cycle? But you know, I woke up Saturday morning, I'm like, wow, I don't feel that bad. Not as bad as I felt before. Of course, this is going to be the heaviest day, so maybe that will all go south when I get to the gym. But I got there and one set, two sets. Before I know, this one was a harder one, 10 sets, and I had done it. Here's the interesting thing is I woke up today thinking I might be preaching in front of you in a chair or a stool, you know? But I feel pretty good. My legs don't feel that bad. Now, I don't want to go out and try to have a squatting contest with you today. I'll just let you be the winner today, right? But they don't feel that bad. That might be any day. For you, you might have squat me any day. I'm just kidding. So, uh, but I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Hey, here's the point of this silly little illustration. We have been talking about what it means to cease to receive the invitation that God has to offer when it comes to this thing called Sabbath. But there is a transition from this wonderful idea, this wonderful blessing and invitation of Sabbath to actually implementing it into our lives. And I have found with anything, implementation is the thing that is the most difficult. Am I right? Yeah. In fact, I would love to tell you that the first time you implement it, that you would go, wow, it works. This is easy. This is perfect. 
But that's not always the case either, as it was after the first day of the squat cycle. I didn't on the second day say, I have super strong legs. That was what I was after all along. I'm done, right? You have to go back. So I want to give you a little heads up as we jump into this. Even though we wanted to start with this concept of the invitation, the character of God coming out in inviting his people to cease, to allow his people to have a day of rest, I want to be up front and let you know that the hard step is now going to be, what does it look like practically? And will you just make the decision to say no to something that you've been doing that's been denying yourself the blessing God has to offer, and yes to that blessing? You ever launched into something and as you're doing it, you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing here. Oh. That's kind of how implementing Sabbath feels like sometimes if you haven't done it up till now. What are we talking about? Well, let's just jump into it. If you got your sermon outline, I'm just going to walk you right through this this morning. The first passage we'll get to uh, is going to be in Exodus chapter 20. And I just want to remind you uh, a little bit that is in here. The first thing I want you to know, Sabbath is this. Sabbath is saying to God, whatever you want to do today is what I want. When we first start thinking about practically how do I carry out Sabbath, the first thing I want to know is that Sabbath is saying, God, whatever you want to do in this day, whatever you want in this day, that's what I want. It's aligning myself with God. Take a look at Exodus chapter 20. We've read this uh, about remembering the Sabbath, which starts in verse 8. But let me jump to verse 11 again. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. And then we get this puzzle. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. God, God literally blesses this day. He says in that there is something praiseworthy about this day. There's a blessing or a happiness that comes in this day. And then he says that he makes it holy, meaning he sets it apart. It's not going to look like those other days during your week. It's holy. It is set apart. When God actually says in the Bible that you are holy, what he means by that is you are set apart. You're set apart. And so that's what he's doing with this day. Now, if we look there in verse 11, the reason for this is because he ceased and he rested. And that is why this looks different. Now, we did the, the good Bible work the last couple weeks where we actually looked at the context of where this comes from. And we actually compared Pharaoh's system and what he was calling people out of, the deliverance and the rescue, and then the offering of new life here. And we actually compared it to our own system that we fall victim to, that we often willfully play into in this system of gain and commodity and more and more and more. And God is saying here, but I've set apart for you something special. I've blessed it. I've given it praise. I've made it a blessed and happy day. And for us to first enter into that, we need to realize, we say, whatever you want in this day, God, that's what I want, whatever you want. Let's put it in a question form. Your Sabbath, start your Sabbath asking God this. God, what do you want in this day? What do you want in this day? It's your day. 
You set it apart. It's a, a Sabbath unto you. What do you want in this day? I think if we're honest, most of us, we wake up on Sunday morning and we say, well, get myself to church. But then what else do I need to accomplish today? What do I need to get done today? And God has said, listen, you're released from that. That doesn't have to be part of your day. I'm not heaping that on you. That's not coming from me. That, as we said, was the system of Pharaoh. In fact, that's the demand of our current system. God's system says, just start your day and say, God, what, what do you want in this day? What do you want? We actually have to, to wrestle with this idea that nowhere in Scripture is it suggested that the Sabbath is not for everyone. So it's not one that we just look at and say, well, it was good for the Israelites back in the Old Testament, but it really doesn't carry through. We have to understand it was at creation. There was Sabbath understanding at the very creation. And then we have to understand how the New Testament actually picks up Sabbath. We actually find the, the carrying out and the honoring of Sabbath. We actually find the manipulation of Sabbath as well from the Pharisees and other religious leaders to which Jesus speaks into and speaks against and tries to draw back to the original concept of Sabbath. Why would Jesus waste his time in that if Sabbath was of no value moving forward? So we don't find anywhere in Scripture that Sabbath is not for everyone. We also don't find anywhere in Scripture where it's suggested that Sabbath is no longer expected. It's still offered. It's still there. It's still told this is the way we ought to live because there's blessing in it. We've just, in our contemporary church world, we've just kind of moved on and lost sight of it. And so it feels like to return to it or to add it back in speaks of legalism. But that's not what God is offering. That's not what Jesus was speaking into. And it's not what it is when you and I start our day by saying, God, what do you want in this day? What do you want today? Most of your six days, you can get out there and say, what do I need to get done in this day? And if you work well, and you're biblically solid in how you work, God's pretty honored and pleased in what you do. But this is the day where I start with God. I want to briefly look at these two components. How did the Israelites carry out the Sabbath? What did it practically look like for them? The first thing we, we find is they ceased from their normal day of work and production. It is abundantly clear, perfectly clear, that the key way that the Israelites of the Old Testament honored the Sabbath was that they ceased from their normal work and their normal production. Now, this was vastly an agricultural uh, type of community or livestock, and so you find these references all the time about stopping working in your fields. Only do with your animals what you need to do today. In fact, we have a, one reference even in, in the Bible of the double feeding the day before the Sabbath so that they had enough food to carry them through the Sabbath. We actually get this same concept when the people are in the wilderness. And you remember the manna that's offered from heaven, right? The manna falls to the ground and they're to collect each day what they can have. Don't collect more than one day, right? Some of them tried that. It didn't work too well. Ah, but before the Sabbath... You were supposed to collect how much? Two days worth. Why? Well, you got it, right? Because they didn't want to have to go out and collect food on the Sabbath. Listen, it was not necessarily because God did not want them doing this on the Sabbath. 
is God's way of saying again, I am a God that who provides for you in this day. I am offering you ceasing. I'm offering you rest in this day. So just pick your food here. You don't have to do it in that day either. A full day of rest. This is understood. We start to see that on the Sabbath, life is brought forth. Renewal. Refreshment. Do you often, I mean, do you ever stop and go, I just need a day off. I just need a day to recoup, to renew, to refresh. That is the concept of Sabbath. That is what God is saying, that I am offering this to you. Every week on a seven-day cycle, I am offering you rest and renewal, ceasing and relaxation. And this demand will not be on you. So it brings forth life to us. There's a blessing for others in the Sabbath as well. When we have fine rest, then it's easy to look and to bless others. Or I have found when somebody else is honoring Sabbath, it's easy for me to look at them and think, I am blessed by what I see, and I would like to follow that. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, my neighbors uh, who moved in recently here, they have eight kids, right? Is that right? Eight kids? Nine. Nine kids. Woo! See, I can't keep track. They got nine kids, and they're running around all the time. There's adult kids all the way down to a baby, right? And so there's activity over there, left and right, any moment. But on Sunday afternoon, when the weather's better, you can look over, and John, the father, is usually sitting in a chair in the backyard underneath one of his little shade trees. The kids who are kind of real kid his age, they're running around the yard, right? I'm not sure what the older kids are doing, but you can tell something is different. And you know, I look over there and I go, wow, they, they're, they're Sabbathing. That's what they're doing. I don't know if that's a word, though. But they're over there doing Sabbath. They're over there ceasing. Whatever that craziness they're doing all week long, that's not what I see on this day. And I want to tell you, I'm a pastor who preaches Sabbath, and I'm blessed to sit and to see it. Another way we see they carried out Sabbath is they don't deprive others. That we actually find it is very, very significant that you don't make somebody work on your behalf on the Sabbath. And so it's, I cease my work, but also as in their terms, their servants or their workers, even their, get this, their hired hands, right? People that are coming and doing it, they're getting a paycheck for it, right? Everything stops. Even their kids. And you may think, well, that's you know, not a big deal because you probably don't have your kids you know, working for you, right? Um, but their kids, to have a lot of kids in this agricultural community was very, very important, right, to keep it going. The kids got to stop, too. So the whole family, everyone stops. You just give enough that's needed that day for maybe animals or food or uh, water or things like that. But everything stops on that day. And it's just God is saying, look, if I'm going to bless this and offer this to you, you turn around and you offer it to someone else as well. Pharaoh had no understanding of this, and so he would not offer it over to the Israelites at all. So we don't deprive others. In fact, today, one of the practical things that, that Jewish people do that, honor, that follow the Sabbath is they light a candle at the beginning of Sabbath. On Friday night, they'll light a candle, and it signifies the beginning of Sabbath. It is to let the whole household know we're starting now, and this is a day where things are different. 
We seek God in this day. We ask him this question, God, what do you want in this day? We cease these other type of things. Now, I'm sure some are more devout than others in how they carry this out, but this is actually a powerful symbolism. In fact, it's something that, though we don't see it in the Bible as something that is dictated or demanded to light a candle, I thought, what would that look like if even us Christians at Wendover Hills adopted this as a reminder to wake up and say, we're lighting a candle, or if you start on Saturday night at sundown, we light a candle just to signify. Or if there's another mode, just to signify, we are beginning this now. So there's a practical start to this as well. How do we carry out the Sabbath? I think this gets tough for us. It's one of the main reasons I wanted to start this series in talking about the character of God, talking about the comparison to the system of Egypt, talking about the comparison to our current socio-economical system as well, before we got to do's and don'ts, before we got to our list. Because inevitably, our list often becomes the defining thing, and we forget what has led us to create the list. So that has been the progression. But now we reach this point. And so let me put it in just two categories for you. And these won't be new because we've already talked about them. But let me reframe them in this way. How do we carry out the Sabbath? Here's the first thing. We empty from our normal day. Like we think in terms of how do I empty from my normal day? Listen, my normal day constitutes me doing a lot of what I'm doing right now for you, right? Um, I love doing this on Sunday mornings, right? Uh, but there's a little work involved in Sunday mornings uh, for me, right? So when it comes Friday morning and I drop my daughter off at school and then the day is in front of me, I'm wanting the day to look different. I'm wanting to empty myself of my normal day because I'm going to take Friday as a Sabbath. A Sabbath to the Lord. Um, a Sabbath for healing, restoration, and renewal, and all that type of stuff. So the first thing we ask is, we, em or we say we empty from our normal day. You are the best one to answer what this looks like for you when you empty from your normal day. Here's the struggle, is we feel like we are the only ones filling up what needs to be filled up in our days. So when we empty, I got a two-time, but I've got to work really hard to figure out how to fill it back up. Sabbath thinking says God is going to fill up what needs to be filled up into that day. And God is going to reveal to us where we have been laboring to fill. And God is saying, there's no need. That's not who I am and not what I'm demanding on you. We find that that trying to make the Sabbath a normal day was actually spoken into. This is where Nehemiah chapter 13, if you'll flip there, I'll give you just a second to try to get there. Hey, by the way, last week, um, we were kind of just raving about just how wonderful the service is and unique it was. Um, I said it was 11, I celebrated 11 years at Windows Hills last Sunday, and I thought in 11 years, it was one of the most special and unique services we had last week. Can I tell you the thing that for me stuck out the most? What I just heard. Like, like that. When we said, let's go to the passage, and I saw people flipping and going to those passages. So that was special. So, um, so at least fake it to get there this morning so we can 
be proud of you again. All right, chapter 13 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, remember, Nehemiah has just gone and he's rebuilt the wall, right? He is reestablishing Jerusalem here. And one of the things that's overlooked because we think about Nehemiah in terms of rebuilding the wall is that Nehemiah is reinserting worship of God as well and reinserting the law and how this is carried out. And so this would make sense that he would get on this one. Take a look at it. In those days, I saw people in Judah using the wine press on the Sabbath. They were all collecting piles of grain and loading them on the donkeys, as well as wine, grapes, figs, and every kind of loaf. And then bringing them to Jerusalem on the Sabbath, I warned them at the time against selling food. In addition, people from Tyre who, who lived in the city were bringing in fish of all kinds and merchandise and selling them to the people of Judah on the Sabbath. This happened in Jerusalem itself. So I scolded the officials of Judah. What is this evil thing, keep track of that word evil, thing that you are doing? I asked, you are making the Sabbath impure. This is just what your ancestors did. And God brought all this evil upon them and upon the city. And now you are bringing more wrath upon Israel by making the Sabbath impure. I mean, Nehemiah is coming pretty strong here. He describes just really what we would describe as a lot of our normal lives, right? He's saying, hey, you're doing everything you would normally do on those other days. You're doing it on the Sabbath. If you're involved in winemaking, then you're doing the things for winemaking. He describes it there. If you're you know, involved, as, as he said there, with fish and merchandise and those type of things, you're doing that as well. You're doing that on the Sabbath. It was clear to Nehemiah that we were to cease this and not have this on this day. But here's a unique thing. He says uh, there that you are you're making the Sabbath impure. What your ancestors did, it brought this evil upon us. Before that, in verse 17, he said, you do this evil thing. What does that word mean? Because when we think of evil, I mean, we think of like, oh, that's really bad. I'm not doing evil stuff when I'm working on the Sabbath, right? Well, that word simply means this. It's not God's ways. When we think in terms of evil, we just it's not God's way. We like to interpret it this way. There's really good, super holy, right? There's evil, really bad. That's like the Satan coming out of the shadows and saying, hey, come on. And we follow. That's the evil. And then there's this big neutral camp in the middle. And as long as it doesn't fall into this evil stuff, maybe it's not the best up here. But it's in this neutral camp, and it's okay. God's, you know, God's okay with it. Make your own way, you do you kind of thinking. There's no concept of this whatsoever in the Old Testament. Nehemiah, for Nehemiah, it is this. God asks this of you. You do it or you don't. That's why he comes so strong with this term evil that shows up here. Because there's no neutral category in his thinking. But notice that he's actually saying he actually believes this captivity. You remember that people went into captivity. Nehemiah was allowed to come out and now rebuild the wall to reestablish Jerusalem so the people can go back into Jerusalem. Nehemiah's actually saying, look, all this happened because we weren't Sabbath followers. All this happened because we didn't cease our life to come before God. Or we didn't see God in his prominent place. We just went about and did our own thing. Maybe we squeezed God in where we could squeeze him in. 
And so this whole concept of Sabbath living was violated. Nehemiah actually says that was a big problem. So how do we carry it out ourselves? We've got to empty from our normal day. This will be the hardest thing that you do to implement Sabbath. Because my guess is, like me, your day's filled up with a lot of things. A lot of things. And it's so hard to flip the calendar to Sunday, or whichever day, like for me on Friday when I take my Sabbath, to stop, to cease. So a reminder, those would be, if you look at your, your outline, cease game. Cease game. That's why we think in terms of, of stopping work on that day. Don't focus on production more and more and more on that day. Don't squeeze in more. Like, I, I've tried hard on my Sabbath on Friday to try to say, okay, I'm, I'm not here at the church doing the regular church stuff, uh, but I also, I also don't want to have a list of seven uh, get done at the house type of things as well. That has been the much harder transition to say, don't get on the mower and those type of, of things. Because again, it sounds so legalistic, sounds so do and don't to us. But even my own challenge, when I'm thinking about what do you want in this day? And how do you want to commune with me in this day? Cease game. Don't focus on production. Don't squeeze in one more thing. That's what we're trying to get at there. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. I think it sometimes. But Tom, you don't understand. You don't understand my load, what I've got to get done, what I've got to do, or here or there. You're probably right. I probably don't understand yours. You don't understand mine. But I want you to think about it in terms of this. When we say this, but you don't understand kind of towards God, we are rejecting God's wisdom of Sabbath for our own wisdom. You have to be comfortable with that concept to move forward in confidence. Just to say, you don't understand God. Because God has this infinite wisdom for us that he wants to offer us. And so for us, there has to be a point where we just say, I'm an empty of this. But here's the second part of this, is to fill yourself with what God offers. To fill yourself up. And part of the biggest struggle in emptying ourselves of the day is we don't know how to fill that up with God either. Let's look at a couple of them. Put yourself in a position to hear from God during this day. That's why we talk about church. In fact, that's what we talked about last week, that the church service came out of Sabbath living, not the other way. It is that honoring and following Sabbath developed this idea of coming together and having worship together that we might hear from God and, and have community together. And this became central. In fact, it's so central that we see Jesus and Paul pick this up as their main thing they do on the Sabbath as well. Take a look at Luke 4, if you still have your finger there. We actually find this from Jesus. In fact, this is probably one of those, if you want to say it bluntly simple, if you want to be like Jesus, here's a passage right here that we learn something about Jesus. Verse 16, when Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised, on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, or that's his church, as he normally did, and he stood up and read. Jesus was a weekly church attender. He attended Sabbath. 
He engaged in the reading of Scripture. He engaged with hearing Scripture read. It was a normal process for him on the Sabbath. Now, we could read all through the Gospels, and we could see it's not the only thing that he participated in to honor God on the Sabbath. But he was in church regularly, in the synagogue. Take a look at Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, too. Now we get uh, Paul, who out on his missionary journeys, doing all kinds of sharing of Jesus everywhere he goes. Chapter 17 and verse 2. As was Paul's custom, he entered the synagogue and for three Sabbaths interacted with them on the basis of Scripture. So where did Paul go when he went into a town? He went to synagogue. And he shared the Scriptures. And he shared about Jesus from the Scriptures at the synagogue or at their church, at their gathering, their assembly of the believers of the Jewish people of that time. Now we've talked in terms that Jesus establishes the church, calls us to gather, he gives us mission. All of this is something to put ourselves in a position to hear from God on Sabbath. But we also find a big part of what Jesus did on Sabbath was he blessed people, cared for people. We've got to find ways to bless others as well. Take a look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, verse 10. It is very difficult for us to wrap our head around the idea that to heal somebody on the Sabbath, to care for somebody on the Sabbath, to bless somebody would be sin, right? But that's how the Pharisees and the religious leaders interpret it. Jesus is wanting to take it back and help people understand that we actually bless others on the Sabbath. It's not my activity that's necessarily a problem on the Sabbath. It's what is my motivation behind my activity? And Jesus is showing activity, at least in the Pharisees' eyes, that brings blessing. Here's what happens in uh, verse 9. Jesus left that place and went into their synagogue. So he's at church. A man with a withered hand was there, wanting to bring charges against Jesus. They were already after him. That's what's going on. They asked, does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath? Now that he's setting them up, because in their thinking, if he were to heal, that's a, a, an act of miracle. It's working on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to Sabbath. Listen, get this. They are in church on, we would call it Sunday, but on their Sabbath, right? They're in church. And here they're trying to chat Jesus, telling them this withered man can't be healed on Sabbath in church. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, think about it. If you came this morning into church and you came with just wanting to kind of pour out your heart, or maybe there was a physical thing and we want to pray for healing, they would say, sorry, we can't do that on Sunday mornings. You know, that was their thinking. Jesus is wanting to return them to this idea. So Jesus replies, who among you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out, Right? You don't want your sheep to die there in the pit, so you, you get in there and you yank it out however you need to. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said this to the man, stretch out your hand. So he did, and it, made, it was made healthy, just like the other one. The Pharisees went out and met in order to get this, find a way to destroy Jesus. That's how caught up in this they were on this activity, this do's and don'ts, Jesus is returning and saying, find ways to bless people. 
to care for people. When somebody comes before you and they are the equivalent of a sheep in the pit, you pull them out. It doesn't matter when that is. And so we find blessing people is a very important part. And I wonder for you, um, do you ever think of that in terms on the Sabbath? God, what do you have for me in this day? Well, I want you to go serve some people today. I want you to bless some people today. Care for some people today. Do something today. And make a whole meal and take it to somebody. Oh, we're not supposed to cook on the Sabbath. Again, we're missing the concept because we're blessing somebody and caring. That is what this day is set aside for, to come before God and say, God, what do you want in this day? What you want, I want in this day. Now, if we're off kilter, we can answer that question however we want. Oh, God, you want me to make a lot of money in this day. So I will go work all day. Uh, we can manipulate the answer however we want. But if we start in a good place before God, humble before him, asking this question, what we hear from God is give to yourself. Fill yourself up. Put yourself in a position to hear from me. Bless and love others and serve others in this day. Here's some next steps for you. A little reminder and then a final question. Sabbath delivers us from the system of commodity and gain. You don't have to be owned and dictated. Every week, I have somebody that doesn't make it to church or doesn't make it to their time with their family because they say, I have to get this done. And listen, I'd love to say just rip a band-aid off that and never work that way again. I realize the transition sometimes is, is slow and there's steps. But at the end of the day, we have to understand God is delivering us from that system. And he's been doing it all the way back to what we read here in Exodus. Sabbath offers life, new life in God's system of ceasing. Even more than that, God is just not, not just saying, look, I want you to cease because I told you so. It's because I want to offer new life. To offer something new. But here's the thing, and there's really no way of getting around it. Sabbath only begins when we say yes to it. That new life will only happen when you say yes to it. It'll only start that way. We have told our, our kids, I used to say it as a youth pastor, and I thought, uh, maybe I should try it with my kids and make sure this really works. Um, but we did. We told all our kids, when you go, you get your first job, whatever it may be. We've had Christian bookstore workers, and my daughter's at a frozen yogurt shop now. We said, go sit down with your interview and say to them, Sunday is really important to our family. I can't work on Sundays. And Wednesday night youth group is really important. Um, I can't work on Wednesday night. And then you just leave it in the manager's hands. If the manager comes back and says, okay, great, we'll, we'll schedule for these, you know, wonderful. If the manager says, we can't do that for you. All right, thank you for your time, and you move on to the next. And we just walked that discipline. Why? Because we knew at some point we had to just say, it won't happen, Sabbath won't happen unless we just choose it. And the Lord is blessed uh, in that area. Now, we pushed on the kids to work hard in the other days. And some of the days were like, I don't want to go work on Friday night. Well, you're going. Yeah, you're on schedule. You'll be there. You'll work hard. Right? Sabbath only begins when we say yes to it. When we actually step out and say yes. So here's a question I want you to ask. Maybe gather your family together and ask this. What does this look like for us? What does it look like for our family to honor Sabbath? 
What is it that you might need to empty out? What do you need to fill yourself up with? What does this look like for us? This is the best practical question for you to sit down and ask as a family. Parents, I would encourage you, let your kids be a part of that question too, to answer. Now, if they're real little, you know, it's different. But some of you have teenagers and you understand their input is important. What does this look like for us? Because I believe there's life God wants to offer. Well, let me pray for you. And uh, then I'll give you just a little bit heads up of what's going on in the coming weeks. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for Sabbath. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there is blessing in the Sabbath. I've experienced it. Others have testified to it. But, Father, my heart aches that there's so many. In fact, the greater number of Christians don't experience the joy of Sabbath weekly. And, Lord, what's sad is that many are even bought into the idea that they can't. It's not possible. But, Father, you are a God who says nothing is impossible with you. And so, Lord, would be reminded first of the character of you. You are a God of love, a God of rest, a God of caring and compassion for us. You want to renew us and restore us, even on a weekly basis. Father, could you remind us you're a God who delivers us. You will yank us right out of something that's harmful for us when we put our face to you. But then you are a God also of new life. You will transform us. You'll make us new. You'll offer us something that we haven't had up to that point, that we long for. But Lord, you're also a God of discipline. And eventually you'll say, do this. If you really want what I have to offer, do this. And Lord, maybe it's that someone in here this morning, what they haven't received from the Sabbath is because, God, you were saying, do this. And they've not yet said yes. So, Father, may this be the morning. Could the conclusion of this series, could we have people at Wendover Hills going out and saying, I will now honor God on the Sabbath in this way, as you answer the question, what does this look like for us? We pray this in your son's name. Amen.